Good morning, this is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights of my early breakfast show over the past week. You can hear me every weekday morning from four on LBC. The couple who struggle to get by on 200 grand a year. I could struggle on 200 grand a year. Apparently, by the time you've sent the kids to school, by the time you've, you've, you've bought the groceries, you've got to pay the nanny, there's a cleaner, the gardener. 190 doesn't go anywhere nowadays. <laughs> Try telling that to some of the people who turned up to, uh, to see the switching on of the lights in Twickenham yesterday. The amount of 4am spikers I met. Woo! Goodness me. And uh, there was people who... Tra- Noreen travelled all the way from St Albans. There was one couple, an elderly couple, they travelled all the way from Walthamstow. All the way from, what, it's miles. I said, what are you doing travelling from Walthamstone? They said, we just wanted to come and see you. Which was lovely, so, but it was bitterly cold, wasn't it? Freezing cold. But thank you to everybody who turned up. Thank you for all the presents. I always get people very generous. I get loads of presents. And yesterday I got some really nice presents, including some gloves, which I so desperately needed. Desperately needed. And this morning out there, waiting for the car to come in, freezing cold again. Absolutely freezing. Um, we've got loads of stuff to get through on the programme, apart from your texts and emails, which we do on a, a daily basis. So we try and get through as many as we possibly can. Um, we will tell you about Spencer Matthews. You know, because the, the, the lady, Michelle, who was uh, hosting yesterday at the Switching of the Lights, she decided to interview me and lovely Jane Horrocks and uh, Sam Twomey as well, who's a, who's a rugby player. He's like 300 foot tall. You know, like all rugby players, they make the rest of us look like really, really small people. But uh, he was charming. He was lovely. All rugby players look fit, don't they? I mean, even if they aren't fit. And then I worked out it's because they're young. And and so I had to throw my bit in, in, in about how I I played rugby as well at some some day. And it was all it was all very amenable, but um, uh, Michelle was hosting it and it was it was good actually. But at one point she started asking him about rugby and she quite clearly knew nothing about rugby at all. <laughs> but that was good fun. Anyway, it's, it's nice. Everybody was very good humoured. We had loads of pictures taken afterwards, uh, which is nice. Now people have got phones. You don't need to have autographs. You just take pictures of people. So so people got their their pictures. I was wearing my Neil jumper which he noticed, which was very nice indeed. It was, it was just lovely. But I tell you, when I climbed into bed, I was out for the count. I, I, I got into bed at about ten past seven. We did the switching on at 5.30. Jane Horrocks did that. She looked gorgeous yesterday. Absolutely gorgeous. Really did. Lovely. She scrubs up well, as they say. And, um, and so I then went uh, to the George just to have a quick bottle of water. I didn't want any alcohol, I just wanted a bottle of water. So I had the bottle of water and then toddled off back to bed. I climbed into bed, I'm out for the count. Literally, I woke up when the alarm went off this morning at one. And that was the first time I thought, oh, good Lord, that's not bad, is it, at all? Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit later on. We will talk about uh, Black Friday fever this week. This is where you go mad and start wrestling with people in shops to get hold of a television. Uh, and they've got various bargains which are out there. Oh, uh, Jamelia's out of Strictly. And uh, Ola quits. So two bits of good news there, isn't it, really? I didn't think I'd be actually sitting here on a Monday morning bringing you good news. Uh, the phone you charge once a week. Uh, the most miserable time of your life, apparently, is when you're in your 40s. Why would that be, why would that be the most miserable time of your life? Is it because uh, at 40 you start evaluating things and you start working out? Because if you're in a job... Uh, I met a lot of people yesterday who, who, who quite clearly have, have retired. And the one thing that you've got to do if you retire is you've got to keep busy. You've got to keep... There is no good just sitting back and going, well, I think I'll just stay in bed all day. 
Because if you've been so used to getting up for work and, and keeping yourself busy and active, the one thing you have to do when you're when you're retiring is you've got to keep yourself equally active. Otherwise, you're sort of prone to picking up all sorts of coughs and colds and sneezes and wheezes and chesty things and all the rest of it. So you've got to keep yourself busy. So that's why. So, beho- so probably, I should imagine, in your 40s, that's when you sit down and uh, you're either married or you're not married uh, or you're sort of thinking, well, what, I, what am I going to do with my life? Because when you get to 40, I mean, you are almost... Or to sort of put, put the mockers on it, be almost halfway through your life, aren't you, if you're planning on living to 80? I mean, if you're slightly overweight like I am, you know, then obviously 80 is a bit of a, rem- a remote possibility. In fact, I think it's highly unlikely. So Gary, my friend Gary Craig, said to me yesterday, because he, um, he does all this swimming stuff. And when I first met Gary years and years ago, uh, he was just an ordinary person. Just an ordinary bit. And then he discovered this fitness thing. So he does this swimming through the lakes. He does all these challenges and all this kind of stuff. So he's super fit, whereas I'm not super fit. But he, he actually said, yeah, he said, you look really good. I thought, oh, well, that's a start, isn't it? I'm actually looking a lot better than I thought I was, which means around the corner I'm just going to drop dead. You can tell, can't you? Some woman said, she'd, you'll be around for donkey's years. I said, I don't think so. I said, I really don't think so. I said, but I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. I've crammed quite a bit in. You know, I can't complain. I turned the Christmas lights on three times. Jane Horrocks, I think, had done twice. <laughs> she was so sweet yesterday. She was so sweet. It was it was really nice, actually. It was it was good. Just blooming cold. <laughs> Just very, very cold. Uh, I like the story in the paper today of the wife who sold the home as a revenge. Husband goes away on holiday. They'd obviously had a bit of a bit of a do. And uh, anyway, within three weeks, she'd managed to get the whole thing sold, lock, stock and two smoking, as they say. So he comes back. It's not his house. The reason she was able to sell it is because it was in her parents' name. They'd got the mortgage on it. So he said, I I, I should have learnt. I should have learnt. Uh, The vastly overweight Gemma Collins, apparently, not deemed fit enough to go into the jungle because she's an emotional wreck. And um, so they're going to put her into Celebrity Big Brother and they come up with the usual claptrap. Oh, she's feisty. No, she's not. Oh, she's confrontational. No, she's not. She's just a fat bird with a foul mouth on her. That's all she is. There's nothing, and there's nothing, you know, there's nothing about her that's confrontational. They say, oh, she always stands up to people. No, she doesn't. She's a complete... Oh, I nearly swore then. I know you said a very rude word. Maybe had to push my own button. And no, she's just a, just a waste of space. But they try and sell it. They go, oh, she'll be really interesting in the house. No, she won't be. She's boring on the outside. Why would she be interesting on the inside of the house? She's not interesting at all. Just a fat bird who's trying to confront her weight. She's got a Channel 5 programme on why she's fat. I'll tell you why she's fat. She overeats. Every time you see her, she's stuffing that fat gob of hers. I don't quite understand why they go, she's, you know, she's going to be a very useful housemate. She was worse than useless in the jungle. She was absolutely chronically bad in Towie. She picks up all the wrong men. She's quite clearly some desperado who will sort of drag anybody into her boudoir. And, and when she was sort of with Arge and sleeping with him, oh, God, I felt physically ill. I sent him a sympathy card. Can't you find anybody better? There must be somebody out there, love, that you can sleep with who doesn't want to tell everybody about it. I mean, why do people want to tell you about things they're doing? And then, of course, you get Lydia Dim. Well, she's another emotional cripple. I mean, every five minutes, she doesn't know what's going on in her life. (laughs) That's all you get from that programme. Because, basically, they're children. They're children who've never quite learnt to be in the adult world. And And the idea of trying to flog us, you know, overweight Gemma Collins to tell us why she's overweight, which, of course, we all know. And, um, and, and you look at her and you think, they go, oh, she's, she's, she's an icon to people. Who? Who? 
Who's she an icon for? I can't think of any people who would say, oh, she's a role model for us. She's a role model for nobody. She's 34, pretending she's she, like, acting like a 16-year-old. Very embarrassing. Very, very embarrassing. Uh, Lord Sugar blasts uh, old Fernandez Spagbol. She's too thin. I mean, and she is too thin. Of course, she's still using that same old story, which is that her husband's father died and that affected her weight. I don't want to be rude about it, but I hope somebody in my family dies soon because I could do with losing the weight. I don't want to, you know, I mean, I, I quite clearly want all my family to live as long as possible. But, and I dreamt about that last night, actually. I had a most peculiar dream. I hadn't eaten anything before I went to bed. And, uh, and, and I had a dream about my will. Uh, because people talk about their will. And after we talked about Simon Cowell's will from his mother with the £700,000, and, and it then obviously triggered something in my mind about, um, about, um, about sort of wills. Now, I did my will some years ago. And I don't intend to change it any time soon. You know, whatever money is left there at the end of the day, by the time you've sold the property and uh, sold the car and you've done all sorts, you know, there'll be, there'll be some money there for somebody. It's always nice to get something, isn't it? I'm always hoping that, hoping that listening to this programme is somebody who owns a diamond mine in South Africa and they've been a huge fan of Steve Allen and they go, I would like to leave Steve Allen my share in the diamond mine. And De Beers come to me in this fantasy dream after two bottles of Prosecco and De Beers say to me, listen, you don't really want a diamond mine or a share in it. And I go, well, depends how much it's worth. And they say, well, how about 300 million? And I say, mm, 320 and they go 315 and I go 317 and then we then we arrive on 317 million pounds and then I go home happy because i mean there must be rich people listening to this program i mean luckily when you look at somebody you have no idea what they're worth you know i could be working with people who are multimillionaires you wouldn't know it because nobody ever discusses with you what they've got you know some people might have inherited property they might have been, i mean we worked with a girl here once i can't tell you who she is because she's been back and she's got a bit of a profile but her father was a slum landlord in Glasgow, and he owned lots of... Pro- well, they call them slum landlords. These were these hard-to-let properties, but you'll always find somebody who'll move into them. And he owned quite a few of these. At one point, my father owned a block of flats in Reading. Don't, don't, don't get too excited. It, it sounds a bit grand. And we also had a stonemasons, you know, for making monuments for things, because they, they sort of invested money in different little bits and pieces. And that was quite... I was, I was hoping that, you know, after things sort of happened, as you lose your parents, somebody's going to come to me and go, you know that block of flats? Somebody wants two million... And you think, oh, well, I'll do. And we had a stonemasons. We had all sorts of different uh, different things. And so when you look at somebody and you meet them for the first time, you have no idea. You have no idea what they're worth. You have no idea anything about their background. You don't know their family. You don't know anything at all. You look at Spencer Matthews, you just think, idiot. You know, you don't know anything about him, but you know through his very acts there were pictures of him allegedly snorting cocaine. I would be naive to think that somebody who doesn't really do anything for a living and just sort of just hangs around and picks up little floozies, you know, would not at some point have experimented with sherbet lemons or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. But when he, when he sort of came down to the jungle and he'd taken the steroids, because apparently it was for a boxing match, any old garbage they give you nowadays. But then, interestingly, when he landed in Manchester, very strange Manchester, but uh, he didn't have any comment. He was whisked away in a car and his agent said he has no comment to make. I thought, they've sold the story. That's what they've done. That's why nowadays, 
Any publicity is good. As long as you haven't killed anybody, you're okay. But if you do drugs, he can now sell the story. And I bet you anything they are negotiating with newspapers as I speak. If indeed they haven't already had offers on the table, uh, would you like to tell us why you turn to these drugs? And he will then sell his boringly tedious story because he's fallen into the trap of being a Z-lister. He was never A-list. He tried to pretend he was, but every time you looked at him with his sneery little face and his patronising way that he spoke to all the girls, he seemed to bed in there. I really love you. I'm really hurt that you've sort of gone off with Jamie Lang and all this kind of thing. And all the time they were just swapping girls backwards and forwards. And so you look at him and you think, so he'll sell the story. Because he hasn't killed anybody, but they'll be doing it, and that's how he will, he will probably make £20,000, £30,000. I guarantee it. I guarantee by the, by the end of this week... There'll be Spencer Matthews, my story, why my life started collapsing. And we're then supposed to feel sorry for him. I'm telling you, you've been hoodwinked. You've been hoodwinked. Nowadays, anybody can be famous. You know, you sleep with loads of people. You know, I mean, all it needs is for him to have been with a transgender person just to get the complete set. That would be it, wouldn't it, really? But I bet you anything, that story is already being... He's got a great agent and they'll be looking to make money out of it. And uh, there'll be there'll be a little bit of rehab and then he'll just go back to his usual ways because it's all a bit fake, isn't it? The whole thing is fake. I'm Steve Allen. More to come shortly as I look back at some of the highlights from my early breakfast show here on LBC. This is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights from my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. I do hope Natalie Bennett's swatted up on things, just in case we don't want another repeat. Well, we do, actually. We quite like that idea. <laughs> hope he's not going to ask her anything about the superhighway, which is what he's going to be talking about this morning. Because the emergency services say London cycling superhighway could endanger lives. Uh, yesterday, I was, I was coming back from town yesterday morning after finishing the programme and there was somebody cycling on the A316 we've spent a small fortune putting in cycle lanes which are away from the traffic and he cycled. I wanted to wind down the window and go go on the cycle lane that's what we built it for you for I mean how much more can you do for cycles than by putting a little picture of a cycle on a little bit of green thing which is for cycles you know if it had a picture of a tank then I'd expect tanks to be using it Anyway, we'll be speaking to the Defence Secretary Michael Fallon as the Prime Minister announces his Strategic Defence and Security Review. US presidential wannabe Donald Trump wants a database to track Muslims. Is he racist or right? I love that. I mean, I find this fascinating. This whole Muslim thing fascinating. Because the people who commit the, the, these atrocities, they're not Muslims. They're mentally ill. They've got some sickness. You know, they want to go out there and murder people for no reason whatsoever. They, they don't go to the, to the mosque. They know nothing about the Koran. They know nothing about... Anything at all. So the idea of tracking Muslims. What next? Let's track all Jews. Let's track all gays. Let's track all black people. God, in heaven. Are the Church of England right to be furious at a cinema ban on an offensive Lord's Prayer ad? I don't want to be rude, you know, because I, I have a belief. But, you know, isn't it a case of turn the other cheek? Why would you be worried about it? So they, they, they put a ban on it. But they have, they have adverts. for The Church now want a ban on anything to do with Christmas. Oh, for goodness sake, grow up. Goodness sake, that's the only time you're busy. That's the only time you're busy at Christmas. The, re- the rest of the year, the majority of churches are practically on the, on the declining list. They're turning them into flats and houses. Even in central London, we've got more sh- churches you can shake a stick at. Very few of them attract big congregations. So stop getting your little knickers in a twist. Try and grow up and bring yourself into the modern world. I don't think people... I mean, to be honest with you, it's up to the cinemas. They're basically privately run places. If they don't want to do that, they don't do that. I mean, do you not think that maybe Muslims are offended every time they go past a church saying, come in here to be saved? 
You know, I don't understand it. And then, of course, they've dragged poor Anne Whittacombe into the row. You know, she's saying it's shocking and all the rest of it. They say, devout Christian. Well, quite clearly, you know, she needs to turn the other cheek and go, if that's what people want to do, it's getting loads of coverage. If people, I mean, I know what the Lord's Prayer is. I could recite it to you now. I don't need to go to the cinema for it. But I, I don't like the idea that Christians are going to be offended. They weren't offended until these people stuck their six penneth in. Why would they be offended by it? It doesn't make any difference. The majority of Christians, they go out there, they go to church, they don't go to church, they phone LBC, they don't phone LBC. You know, some of them are OK, some of them are barking mad, it has to be said. We had that woman, didn't we? In fact, we had two women. The, the, the woman who worked for the Royal Bank of Scotland, who threw the cat in the wheelie bin, and they always put down, devout Christian, quite clearly not, and the woman who wrote all that filth to the McCanns who then ended up taking her own life. They put, they put down devout Christian. Well, it's obviously something gone horribly wrong, isn't there? If they're now going to be offended because some private company decides not to screen an ad for the Lord's Prayer. I don't know what it is, unless it's just somebody reciting the Lord's Prayer, but if you're a Muslim, why would you be offended by that? You're sitting in there. If you're a Christian and they go, oh, we're not going to show it, do you think they're going to put a sign up on the screen saying, you know, I'm terribly sorry if you're offended, Christians, but we're not showing it. We don't want to uh, upset other people. I don't think Christians give a forex. They really don't. And is meditation the key to combating racism? I don't think there's any answer to combating racism. You're either racist or you're not. You know, everybody goes through a period, don't they, of thinking, oh, I don't like that person, without thinking of the implications. They might go, oh, you don't like that person because they're fat, or you don't like that person because they're too tall, or you don't like that person because they're skinny, or they've got no money. Everybody's got some prejudice about them. I, I, to be honest with you, I really couldn't care less either way. It makes no difference to me. Couldn't care less whether somebody's tall, thin, black, white, green, pink, gay, straight, bisexual, transgender, from the moon, from Mars. I don't care. I just really don't care. I think we waste far too much time and money in the newspapers deciding. And now you've got Toys R Us. We're going to have ungendered toys. In other words, they're not going to have sort of things for boys and things for girls. I'm so glad I'm nearing the end of my life. The very idea that in about 30 years' time, you're going to have kids wandering around, little boys of six and seven carrying dollies into school. And they're going to be going, what's the matter to get a transgender? You're going, oh, fine, OK. Seven, knew he was gay at seven. Oh, right. And, and the girl, 11, lesbian. And you can be thinking, the whole world's gone mad. Absolutely mad. So looking at the papers for Nick, it's Natalie Bennett, leader of the Green Party. We all remember her last appearance on LBC. It just didn't go, didn't go very well for her. I, su- I suspect this morning, actually, secretly, secretly in my heart, I'm hoping it goes pear-shaped again, because it, was, it made cracking radio. And that's what we're in the business of, isn't it? Uh, Rob says, Gemma Collins, a role model. Can I use her to flatten my lawn? Oh, I don't think she could manage something as technical as that. She can't even manage in the jungle. She couldn't manage it. So apparently she was coming to terms with everything. And then David says, have you got some sort of secret attraction to Gemma Collins? No, no, not in the slightest. He says, you're obsessed. No, no, she's in the papers, dear. I mean, you're in Stockwell. I realise that you start with a handicap immediately because you're kind of stuck there, aren't you, really? Is that an inner-city slum, Stockwell? Or are you going to tell me there's a posh bit of Stockwell that I'm not aware of? Because I'm, I'm not aware of it at the moment. But there's no sort of attraction. I, I reflect what's in the papers. You know, that, that's what it's about. It's, you know, there's, there's a story of her in the papers going into Celebrity Big Brother, which, of course, is ridiculous. I mean, she is big, but she's not a brother and she's not a celebrity. And they, and they try and portray her as maybe some sort of person who can be feisty. In other words, she's deeply unpleasant. Deeply unpleasant, so, so that's why. Um, the story that reaffirms, uh, sorry, re- comes back into the, uh, into the papers today is the story about a mum whose son uh, was called Breck Bedner. You might not remember Breck Bedner. Uh, he was groomed online by a predator 
called Lewis Danes. Lewis Danes was a sadist. He was 18, and he already had a conviction uh, against uh, a 15-year-old boy three years earlier for raping him. So online, he grooms Breck Bedner. Now, you might think that this is something that doesn't happen very often, and I'm telling you now, because parents have no idea what goes on on computers. Kids sit in their bedrooms, they chat to people. In this particular case, uh, he actually turned him against his parents, he turned him against his school, against his Christian faith and everything. And so one day, Breck Bedner uh, ups and leaves home, and he goes to meet Lewis Danes. And that was the big mistake, because Lewis Danes murders Breck now, in the meantime, his mother has begged the police for help. She's called Lauren. And uh, she spoke to the police call handler. She explained what was going on. And, um, and it, uh, she was brushed aside. I mean, literally, if you read the transcript of this call from Lauren to the police call handler, um, she talks about this, uh, this person. And she says to the call handler, this, this boy, Lewis Danes, is trying to to change her son's opinion on Christianity and everything else. The call handler says, uh, OK, I mean, obviously your son's only 14. Can you stop him using this website? This is what, this is what she comes back with. Uh, yes, I mean, it's difficult for us at this stage. The most we'd be able to do is make some checks RN, some intelligence checks, to look into this guy to see if he's known to us. So later part of the conversation uh, comes back from Lauren saying, I can overhear them talking at times and it scares me. And the call handler says, yeah, well, uh, we will do some research and you've got the reference number there. If you do find anything, you know, like the contact number, obviously give us a call and let us know. OK. And that was it. Her son was literally days away from being murdered by this sadistic pervert and nothing was done. And it's what she's saying is that there need to be more checks in place. This one slipped through. Her son uh, is no more. But then you sort of you suddenly realise that there are so many other things going on that you're not aware of. I mean, I don't know if you've been onto the dark side of the internet. I was only aware of it about six months ago. I'd never even heard of it before. And people were telling me what's on the dark side. Drugs, every perversion you can possibly think of. And people are worried about the, the Lord's Prayer being shown at the cinema. My God, I mean, they must be able to close this, this dark side of the web down. It literally is everything. You can buy stolen goods. You can buy, I mean, I'm only getting this secondhand from people who've been onto it that I know who've said, yes, you can do things like this. There is everything available on there. And for young, vulnerable people at the age of 14 who are sort of, you know, tempted by the internet, you sit there, a few, few little clicks of the mouse and, you, and all of a sudden another screen comes up and you think, I wonder what this is? And we've had cases before of people being blackmailed. There is a case at the moment which is uh, featuring in the uh, mail about uh, some Tory uh, people who are getting involved with sort of blackmail of other people within the party. And you think to yourself, this is going on? Go, Absolutely. You wait till I tell you the facts and figures in a moment, you'll be quite shocked. This is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights from my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. More to come after the news. I'm Steve Allen, and this is your chance to listen again, or even for the first time, to some of the highlights of my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. Also, Emily's life on the cobbles. That's Emily Bishop, who's leaving Coronation Street. Uh, the selfie with Eddie Redmayne that got one shop worker the sack. Apparently it goes against all of their... Th I mean, I can understand it, but it's, it's a little bit harsh. And Charlie Sheen. 
Having slept with, what was it, 5,000 women, it now turns out there's a few men thrown in there as well. Apparently, Charlie, uh, when he's been under the influence of various substances, doesn't really mind who he sleeps with. Which, to be honest with you, I don't have a problem with. I suppose America's going to be up in arms saying, oh, it's terrible, isn't it? Charlie Sheen, he's always, so he's bisexual. I think, actually, that old adage applies. What's the difference between a straight man and a gay man? About six pints. It's not a lot. It's not a lot nowadays. And so there apparently is film of him doing that and film of crack cocaine. I mean, honestly, I give up with American celebrities. I can't. I think we've got enough problems with the ones we've got over here. And yesterday I was uh, I managed to I was quite good, actually. I was quite good. I, I thought to myself, right, be focused, be focused. Finish off the Christmas shopping. Well, finish off the present side of the Christmas shopping. And so my brother's girls have and they won't be listening. So I can say this. One of them wants a sat nav. So she's got a sat-nav. And what I do is, if, if the other present is less expensive, I make up with sort of cash difference. So they end up with the same thing. And, uh, and the other one wanted perfume. And I can't remember what it was, but there's obviously two. For example, you know, it might be Obsession and Obsession Nude. And she wanted Obsession Nude. So I go to the Estee Lauder counter in Debenhams in Richmond. And they've got a special offer. If you buy a bottle of perfume, uh, then you can buy this Estee Lauder chest which is worth 290 quid for £54. And it's got loads of things in it. Loads of things which you ladies like. It's the sort of thing that I know Jess and Tash are going to pour over. They're going to be going, oh, my God. It's got creams and blushes and lipstick. It's got everything. I mean, it's, it, was, it really looked incredible value. So I bought two bottles of perfume because my brother's girlfriend likes perfume as well. So she's got perfume and shower gel which solves that problem, and she's got one of these these chests as well, because they're really, I mean, really look nice. I like I like sort of a gift. I like it if somebody says this is worth 290 quid, and uh, and you get it for 54 pounds, because it's all, all you've got to do, it's easy to wrap, it's a box, and boxes are very easy to wrap, or failing that, you just cheat and buy a huge, great, dirty, big ribbon, and you stick it on the top, and you go, it's wrapped. So what I might do is go and get some, some red ribbon, tie that round there, and do a big, huge bow on the top, or failing that, buy a huge bow to put on the top, because I, I can't bows for love nor money and so that solved that thing and then my brother wanted this particular thing from molten brown so i went and got that so all in all it, it, it actually turned out you know to be quite I staggered back with all these bags looking for all the world like an american film of christmas eve even though we haven't actually got to the end of november but i'm ahead of the game i'm ahead of the game and they always want to give you free gifts don't they so molten brown i'll buy two bottles of shower gel of this one that my brother uses because they didn't seem to have anything else in that range and so they go oh you can pick a free gift here and i said no i'm all right seriously thank you and so i, I didn't bother picking i always refuse samples whenever i go out to a shop and they go oh you bought that you because you've spent 40 pounds or whatever you get a free sample i always go no thank you I would save, save them for somebody who, who wants them more than I do. I can't be bothered with free samples in shops. Some people love them. Some people fill up the bathroom, don't they, with free samples. I can't be bothered. It's always the naff stuff. So I always say no. So yesterday I turned them down and said no. And he, and he popped one in the back anyway. So I was kind of stuck with a free sample, which is OK. I don't, I'm not too bothered about it. So I then go home and I sort of go and have a chat to Paul Cooper about how successful the light turning on was and, uh, and the jumper and everything else. And so that was all very good. And we all, you know, had a, had a good old thing about that. Then I was going to go to Costco, but the next door neighbours having a kitchen put in. Well, the drilling went on for what seemed like hours. And it's like they're in the room with you. You know, when people start drilling and you're in a building, you think, oh, God, I mean, where are they? Are they in the bathroom? Where are they? And all I could hear was this hammer drill going into the wall. I thought, oh, God. Anyway, we, we, I kind of put up with that. I accept the fact that, you know, people have to have to do these things. And so I settled down to watch the television. 
And so I'm happily having a nice time. I've kind of gone off loose women of late. I've kind of thought they, they, they've sort of gone down the scuzzy end of journalism. They've kind of gone down the route where you're not particularly bothered about any of the guests who go on there because they're just flogging, you know, their own tat or their own stories. But uh, yesterday they sort of do their little bit and we've got Colleen on there. Then we've got Jane Moore, who's always, as far as I'm concerned, the voice of reason. And I could see her sitting there thinking, oh, God, who have they dragged up this time? Who did they drag up yesterday? As Ruth Langsford proudly told us, Kerry Katona's giving us uh, her first interview. Of course, so, so here, here we go. So we drag out the feeble one. It's pre-recorded. Quite clearly, she didn't want to do live, so she did pre-recorded. So they sit down there, and Colleen Nolan, brown noses like you've never seen anything. And uh, so they start, you know, about, oh, it's been a dreadful year for you, hasn't it? Oh, it's been awful, yes. And so George is, you know, well, we can't talk about that, the allegations of this and that. But I love him, goes, uh, goes the bewildered cokehead. And, and, she's, and she's sort of, she's sitting there and I'm seeing through this. I don't know whether or not I've just become psychic or even more cynical than I ever imagined. So she talks about telling the children about, you know, how I was doing cocaine and I was doing this and all the rest of it. And, and one of the, the panellists goes, you're really brave, aren't you? I thought, oh God, she's fooled you. She's fooled you. Because all the way through this interview, the one thing they didn't ask her is, um, is how are you making money? How are you making money? Because she was talking about Christmas. And then most Christmases, two of the girls go to Brian, their father, because she's got children with few few people. And uh, she doesn't actually have a job. There is, there is no job for Kerry Coke Toner at all. There's nothing you can do with a, a wizened old bag who's been through the mill three or four times and nobody really cares about her. But uh, the one question they didn't ask, which glared, threw itself out at the screen at me, threw itself, I mean, practically, I was shouting at the television, and I don't shout at the television unless it's absolutely necessary for me so to do. And yesterday they are all going, oh, you know, because you're very brave and you've had a, a really bad year. I thought, yeah, all of your own making... All of your own making. She sells every aspect of her life. She's only got to break wind twice, and that's a story on the front of OK magazine. Seriously, it's, it's, a, it's as desperately sad as that. And so she goes, oh, I, and, oh so I see you haven't taken your wedding ring off. They go, no, she goes, because I, I still love him. And I thought, da-da, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Why? Because she's already sold one story about how, how it's split up and all the rest of it. And what, I, what did I see from watching the television? She's going to get back with him. She's going to get back with him and they'll sell the story again because she doesn't have a job. She has no idea how to do a day's work. You know, that they sort of put her up there as sort of the, uh, the front of, uh, of that little group she was in years ago. But to be brutally honest with you, she hardly sung on anything at all. And she can't sing for Toffee, as we know. She was always sort of the, the Larry Tarty one who managed, <coughs> excuse me, managed to snare Brian. But he was never the brightest one, was he, in Westlife? And so she's sitting there going, oh, I still love George and, you know, and all the rest. So, oh, would you like to get back with him? And then she, she evaded the question. Oh, I think I'm probably destined to be single. I'm thinking, no, you've learned of another way of making money. And without actually doing a stroke of work, you split up with him. You do the story about I'm never going out with anybody ever again. I'm never going to get married again, which we all know is a load of old baloney coming out of Kerry Katona's mouth. She might as well have said she was going to fly around the moon three times with a pair of fairy wings. 
Quite big fairy wings to carry her around. But anyway, so she then says at the end, you know, they're all going... She also did the, the, the fake crying bit. She's very... And luckily she's got a hanky tucked up her sleeve. So she sort of pulls that out. She sort of does a little... Yeah, because it's been really difficult and all the rest of it. And some of the panel... I mean, to watch Colleen Nolan brown-nosing was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. This is a woman who confessed yesterday that her and her husband argue so much they end up shouting and screaming at each other. I thought, no surprise there. You can imagine what she's like, can't you? You can imagine what she's like. And so they uh, so they sort of finish this interview, and all I'm thinking is, she's just wrapped you around it. She'll have walked off there going, yeah, did it again. Convince people, you know, that I'm really serious about I'm not going to go out with anybody ever again. I bet you anything, the next story you read after Christmas will be that Kerry Katona is back with George. I'm giving him a second chance. And she'll she'll sell the story of that. In the meanwhile, I hope they never put her on television ever again. They've uh, they've really, really demeaned themselves on Loose Women. I don't know who's producing it. Oh, I know who's producing. It's Martin Frizzell, isn't it? I might have to have words with him and his wife. It's, it's uh, Things like that. Just, But, of course, it gets coverage because it's annoyed me so much. And that's exactly what television is designed to do. No point in having a nice cosy programme where Janet Street Porter sits there trying to knit a menopause. You know, we don't want to watch things like that. We want to see Janet Street Porter being mauled to death by everybody on the panel and somebody sort of taking uh, Colleen Nolan and just pushing her out of the studio and going, go away, you're not fit for purpose. But uh, Jane Moore, you could see, was sitting there and she asked a very long question. I don't think Kerry Katona quite understood what it was. So she droned on in her own little way about, you know, it's been awful. But, you know, the kids can have loads of presents for Christmas. It's all, it's all arriving at the moment. I'm thinking, yeah, because we're blooming well paying for it. It, aren't we? Ghastly interview. Ghastly interview, but interesting at the same time. So uh, so that was that was yesterday. And uh, then I had some tea and then I climbed into bed because I thought, you know, by that time I'd got to that time of the day where I thought I can't really cope with any more. Kerry Katona kind of does my head in. And then I opened up the papers this morning and they're talking about who's going to go into Celebrity Big Brother. Christina Rianoff. That'll be the woman who, what do you do, darling? Oh, you date the people you dance with, don't you? That's right. I just remembered, actually, and you're supporting loads of people back home in Russia, which is so terribly exciting. Unfortunately, she's neither exotic nor interesting. She's a bit like Ola Jordan. They're kind of there and they're sort of irritating. Go away, go away, go away, silly little people. Go away, go away. So awful. And so she's announced that she's going to be going into Celebrity Big Brother. And I thought, so you're going to stop dancing, which is a career, to go and sit in a room? Are you completely stupid? And the answer is, quite clearly, yes. Quite clearly, yes. To go and sit in a room and people watch you sitting in a room. You're boring when you're dancing, let alone sitting in a room, woman. And who is the other one? Daniela Westbrook. Well, you can't put her in there. You couldn't put her in the jungle. She's not fit for purpose. She's not medically fit. She's not been cleared. So you definitely can't put her in. Who was the other one? Oh, Ola Jordan could go in. Oh, God, honestly. All the people you hate... I mean, Nan- Nancy Delolio couldn't even sell out the Hippodrome with the most boring show. I mean, really, this poor woman, somebody needs to tell her, I'm sorry, you're just not very good. You're not very good at anything. 84850, steve at You tell what kind of mood I'm in this morning, can't you? It's a very good one. Very festive. Very, very festive. And we've also had some nice oranges this morning. And, uh, and a gift parcel arrived, which was lovely, all the way from Scumthorpe. We like that. Oh, and we found out as well. I'll tell you in a moment. Do you remember I said I walked, um, I was driving past uh, Marylebone Station the other day and they were filming and uh, they had lots of old buses in and lots of old cars and things like that and lots of people dressed in what I thought was sort of 50s clothing. We found out what they're filming. We found out what they're filming. Somebody working on it who wishes to remain anonymous has told us exactly what it is. So I'm going to tell you after this. I'm Steve Allen. More to come shortly as I look back at some of the highlights from my early breakfast show here on LBC.
I'm Steve Allen, and until 7 o'clock this morning, this is the best of my shows from the week. Don't forget you can hear me every weekday morning from 4 until 6.30 here on LBC. We still call it Fleet Street, although there's hardly anybody in Fleet Street now. I went down there the other day. Brought back such good memories, such good memories. I used to love Fleet Street. I really did. In the early days when the sun was in Bouvery Street over the road and big rolls of paper would arrive on a Sunday evening and the lorries would be reversing back. Oh, it was wonderful stuff. Really was wonderful stuff. Um, so anyway, this, this, so I mentioned on air the other day. Shh, come close, come close. Click, turn, turn the radio up a little bit. I don't want to shout this one. I'll get into trouble. And um, I was talking about this film which was being made at Marylebone Station and it looked like it was a big operation. Big operation. And um, and I did know that it was Warner Brothers. But all over the place were these big film trucks. And I think it's quite exciting. Whether they ever, ever get around to filming anything, I don't know. Anyway, somebody wrote to me who's, uh, who's, who's working on it. So they, he said, can I remain anonymous? And I said, absolutely, absolutely. But anyway, uh, the film is um, The Conjuring 2, The Enfield Poltergeist. Which, if you know... The story happened in the 70s, hence the cars. We're doing two weeks of five-day shoots and based out of Warner Brothers studio. Is it uh, Leverston? Leverston. So that's what they're doing. So it's, uh, it's, it's a big, big bit of filming. So that's why they were all wearing 70s clothing. Thank you so much, Anonymous. I like people like that. Paul says, I hope, uh, hope you're well. I've got a sat-nav, so I've asked Father Christmas for a Bentley to go with it. Yes. Dream on. Tony and Acton says Morrison's are doing a special offer. £10 for a magnum of Prosecco. Is it really? <laughs> Everybody, for some reason, I don't know where you get this idea from, that Steve Allen drinks Prosecco. Not all the time. Not all the time. A lot of you questioning Diane Abbott and a foundation. I mean, that is really quite strange, isn't it? A, founda- a foundation is generally... Let me explain what it is. It's a perfectly legal means of putting all your income into a foundation and that foundation funds whatever you want it to fund plus your lifestyle and you generally have one if you're very rich so consequently Elton John's got one Cheryl Spagbol's got one George Michael's got one loads of people have got foundations I would not expect a Labour politician to have a foundation I really wouldn't unless she's got loads of money she's channeling into it I mean, I, I thought you seriously had to have... It was, it was, it, it's definitely advantageous for tax purposes, definitely. That's why a lot of people have them. But you've got to have a serious amount of money. Do we believe that Diane Abbott has got a serious amount of money? I don't think so. She always looks like she's got a bad smell under her nose, doesn't she? It's all, it's all a bit like that. A little bit strange. Uh, Daddy says, sorry, Stephen, Uber isn't a taxi driver. They're minicab drivers. Actually, they're, they're not minicab. They call them private hire drivers, don't they, now? I'll tell you the story later. I'll tell you the story later, because it's, it's a very interesting story. Very interesting. And uh, Pat says, I'm hot-footing it to the Estee Lauder counter at Debenhams. Your shopping tips are invaluable. Yes, I mean, so if you buy... And they all there's loads of offers, loads of offers on all sorts of things. But this one looked particularly nice. And so if you buy a bottle of perfume, which is about... Well, the, these bottles I was buying were 73 quid. You can get a smaller bottle, but for an extra £54, you get this chest packed full of... It looks lovely. Seriously, I'm, I'm all for a bargain. All for a bargain. Uh, Jane Moore asked Kerry, what's this doing to your kids? Uh, Kerry just didn't get it. No, all she was interested, you know, because she was so being brown-nosed by Colleen Nolan, you know, who's, uh, <laughs> whose own life doesn't really bear looking at, does it? Uh, the only one of the Nolans maybe not joining the rest of them for Christmas. 
because she's a little bit snooty like that, and she's far too busy anyway. And um, and it, it was just embarrassing. It came to go, oh, thank you, love. And I'm thinking, you've fallen for it, haven't you? You've fallen for this old guff that Kerry Katona's not going to be going out with anybody, not taking the wedding ring off. You know what the story is. I'm making that prediction now. But uh, she sold the story. She made front page. You know, I'm never going out with men ever again. I thought, what a blessed relief that would be for everybody in the world. And uh, then she sits in there going, I still love him. I still love him. And I'm thinking, you're going to go back with him and then sell the story. And it's going to be another photo shoot. That's the only way she knows how to make a living nowadays. She can't work because she's totally bloody useless. Totally useless. Uh, Teresa says, Kerry was one of the loose women a few years ago when she was married to Brian McFadden. Yes, I remember her sitting on television and saying, I'm a multimillionaire because I've got all this money. And I thought, no, you haven't. You've got absolutely nothing, do you? Nothing at all. And it's been proven, hasn't it? And uh, Patrick says, I could never understand Diane Abbott on TV. She swallows her words. Never heard of that, actually. Uh, big deal. Martin Sheen is uh, is sort of maybe bisexual. Well, he could be if, if these uh, stories in the papers are true, that there are films of him with men. But who cares? Who cares? Why do they actually sort of make such a big deal about it nowadays? Are they sort of going? Because he's a Hollywood celebrity, he can't possibly be bisexual. He sleeps with loads of women. But generally, somebody who sleeps with loads of women would be... Somebody who was a sex addict. I've heard of sex addicts before. In fact, there's quite a number in Hollywood. They've sort of cropped up and they just like sex. They're not particularly bothered who it's with or or, or why why they do it. They just sort of either get carried away through drink or, or drugs. And uh, and things happen. Unfortunately, I've, I've only ever done the drink and nothing ever happens at all. It's always very disappointing. But I, mean, I can imagine he would be... If he's claiming to have slept with 5,000 women, I'm assuming there must be a... There must be a, a, a few a few men that have nipped in there. There's loads of Hollywood stories about big celebrities and about the, the sexes of the people that they sleep with. Because America's very unforgiving. Whereas over here, nobody's particularly bothered, are they? I mean, nobody really gives a foray. They go, oh, oh right, so somebody slept with a man. Pfft, who cares? Get a life, get over yourself. In America, because they're international stars, it can kill a career. I was thinking about it the other day and thinking, I remember when Johnny Mathis came out. And said that he was uh, gay. And people went, Johnny Mathis is gay. And I'm thinking, where have you been? Are you sitting on a cloud somewhere with sort of blinkers on and you can't see this? Absolutely. But then, you know, they, they don't like it in America. You try thinking of openly gay actors in America. And, and it, you're hard pushed. You're hard pushed to come up with a few. There might be a few rumours, but you're hard pushed to find somebody who actually admits it. I mean, some of them in America, some of them actually get married to women. They're called beards. The woman is called a beard because she's there to disguise the fact that the person she's married to isn't, in fact, heterosexual. They are, in fact, gay. Uh, but it would be bad for their career. They're just, they, they, use, they, they have big cover-ups in America. And so they, they, they will produce women who can escort somebody. And you see it time and time again. You think, I know they're gay. I know they're gay. But they're with this woman and they go, yeah, we're really together. And I'm thinking, no, you're not. No, you're not. It's for the purposes of publicity. It's because it can be uh, bad. Um, another one here. And Jenny says, what Kerry Katona uh, dragging her children through has nothing to do with love. You can only make so many bad choices. People start to question her pathetic neediness. Well, I mean, she's going, oh, so I've got the children. I love the children. And then at one point she said there, because she, she thinks she's really funny, I don't even like children. And I'm thinking, you are a pathetic waste of space, aren't you? Because she sat down with them. Like, she couldn't remember that we'd already seen this on the television. And she played back the thing about her talking about drugs to her children, who were very young at the time. I think one was seven, one was 11. And, uh, and you think to yourself, um, 
you know, it's, I mean, what, what is your purpose in life? And the answer is nothing. She doesn't do anything at all. And, and it's, it's rapidly, the work is, is drying up. So she's got to think of ways of making some money. So let's have the, let's have the George thing. I think he's in court over allegations of, of whatever it happens to be. And, uh, and then I think they'll get back together again. And then she'll saw the story of that. And then I bet you anything they'll do, I think we can have our marriage blessed again. And you think, oh, in heaven, you're just like one of these useless people. You're a bit like Gemma Collins, who's also rumoured to be going, as you know from yesterday's programme, into Celebrity Big Brother House. Uh, her agent trying to flog the fact that she's an interesting person, as opposed to the fact she's just a shivering mass of blubber who turns up on the television and sobs her way through it and sleeps with the wrong people. We know that because she's told us about them. In fact, she's another one who flogs every aspect of her dreary existence. Must be awful when you're, when you're actually Gemma Collins and people look at you and go, what in God's name are you? What are you, for goodness sake? Uh, the studios are at Leavesden, says Niall. Leavesden. That's how it's pronounced, is it? Or somebody who knows better than me. I don't, I don't know these things. There's a place in the country I cannot pronounce at all. But I was watching a great programme yesterday on the television, uh, albeit too, uh, too briefly. And what it was looking at was people who thieve from outside charity shops. They made a programme about people who thieve outside charity shops. And, of course, I see it on a daily basis. People who, who thieve, people, you know, from sort of out of town, let's put it that way, and they come and they pick up back. They just pick them up and walk off. But what they did with this particular one, they tracked the rubbish that these people had picked up. They had a little tracker device in there. And I thought, it's a bit of a pointless programme. In fact, they were sort of stretching out. Everybody's been nicking from outside charity shops for God knows how many years. And they make a programme about it on the BBC. What a complete waste of time and money. People know it goes on. That's why the charity shops put notice on the windows. Don't leave your stuff outside. Bring it in in daytime hours, then we can have it. Because otherwise people nick it. You know, it's people who nick it and then they they just throw it away. They just throw it away. It's, it's an awful waste. But charity shops are big business now. Don't ever let anybody tell you they're not. It's big, big business, and they, uh, they thrive on your donations. Uh, another one here. Uh, everybody talk about the price of petrol coming down. Uh, Sue Ann, who's in Oxford, says, I've got a foundation. It's Mac. <laughs> it's Mac. <laughs> and Stuart, who's in Chatham, God knows what a dump that is, dear me. He says, I agree she lacks a bit of class. This is Kerry Katona, is talentless and has had a few drug problems. A few? Half of Columbia disappeared there, but she's still a cracking bit of totty. Oh, dear, honestly. I could use one of my very old jokes, but, uh, but I won't, actually. <laughs> and uh, Julian says, I'm loving the passionate hate against the useless coach. It's not hate, it's just I've seen through the act. And the act is she doesn't actually know how to do a day's work. And uh, now she's getting on and the looks have faded, I'm afraid. But luckily for some people, they still find her interesting. And uh, I don't know what she's going to do. You know, fast forward two years. I think she might actually have to get a job or will the house have been... Because she only rents the house. She doesn't own anything. She doesn't actually have any money. She sort of spends it on the kids. I spend it on my kids. And then she'll probably have another one to sell the story of that. That's how she'll, she'll go through life until she gets to that stage where the public go, oh, for God's sake, dear, just grow up and get a life. Why don't you get up and work like a lot of other people do? But, uh, but she doesn't. This is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights from my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. More to come after the news. This is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights from my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. Uh, the wedding con criminal wins a return to the UK. We've got to be the softest touch in the entire universe, haven't we? Honestly, somebody commits heinous crimes here and then we go, uh, right, we're going to deport you. And then some smart ass lawyer comes along and goes, uh, oh, we can't. What about their right to a family life? And you go, 
Yeah, OK. And so we, we just put up with it, don't we? Uh, the little slip-up payout is an insult, says Granny. Clockboy's parents in America sue for anywhere between 10 and 15 million. Lewis Hamilton is uh, collaborating. He's going to bring out his range of clothes. I've seen some of the clothes Lewis Hamilton uh, wears. I don't, I don't think we'll be buying those anytime soon. Uh, Adele, who didn't sing a note last year, still earned 17 million. 17 million. Orange juice prices will rise as a bug blights Florida trees. That'll scrub Christmas morning, won't it, as you have your traditional champagne and orange juice. And uh, and GPs must tell the DVLA when an OAP is too frail to drive. Actually, this, this is more hidden than you imagine, because I think they're actually telling uh, the DVLA if they've got maybe patients who drink too much and they think there could be a danger. So before you know where you are, you've got Big Brother operating inside the doctor's surgeries, and they, they could effectively take you off the road. I'm on restricted licence, as you all know, because of uh, diabetes. <clears throat> and, in fact, we have to do that uh, very, very shortly. Uh, Dorman Dom says, uh, I'm on the door for the 4am spike. If you ain't on my list, you ain't coming in. I love it when people say, do you know, what? it takes me back to those early days when I used to do uh, nightclubs, and, uh, and people would say, uh, I'm on the list, I'm on the guest list. Really? And they go, no, you're not. You go, I'm sure I'm there somewhere. It was that big thing, wasn't it, to actually get in on the... Ge- I mean, now, I wouldn't give you threepence to going on a guest list. I'm just, uh, just not remotely interested. But people tell the most amazing fibs. Oh, well, I spoke to the uh, the bloke behind the night, and he said he definitely put me on the list. And you think, right, OK. What was it about trying to get into nightclubs that, uh, that just sort of became the be-all and end-all? You know, I remember sitting in Stringfellows once, years and years ago, and... Um, and hearing some some guys on their on their telephones, so, yeah, just going to Stringfellows now, just 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 in the door, and you think you're actually telling people where you're going for the night. Why would that be of, of any interest to anybody at all? <laughs> oh dear. Uh, we've also got uh, the Christmas undercracker lights. Foul mouth Fern, Fern McCann's mother now has hit back at the bikini body trolls. Um, as I say, it's a shame she didn't hit back at all those people who said, what a foul mouth your daughter has got. She's the original potty mouth. I've never heard such language. But uh, I suppose perhaps she gets it from somewhere. Can't imagine where. How could you ever swear all over the place? Dreadful old bag. Dreadful old baggage. Uh, half of Britons are nostalgic for the 1970s. So I thought the 70s was the best. I thought the 70s was really good. I like the 60s. Some of you may remember the 50s and the 40s, but I, I, I like the 60s. I thought the music was very good. I like the 70s. 80s was OK, but it wasn't as nostalgic as the 70s. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. And, um, and the Hill family feud. This is uh, Jimmy Hill. He has dementia. He's in a home. He's in a, he's in a pretty bad way. And uh, his uh, children are in deadlock with the stepmother, who's, who's written a book about it, apparently. And they said they don't want the book written. Unfortunately, they don't really have much say in it. The book is probably going to come out. And I don't know who would buy it. You know, much as though we all adore Jimmy Hill, I'm not sure I need to, to know about people's illnesses. I'm not really that, that interested in it. Well, certainly, I'm, in, I'm interested in so much as, you know, I feel immensely sorry for him because he's got dementia, but I don't want to read a book about it. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, I had to refuse Danny Dyer. Wasn't on my list, so he didn't get into the VIP area, says Dorman Dom in Kingston. I love it when you can refuse. I can remember we had we had somebody once. I won't. Uh, I have named him, and I can't remember who he is at the moment. He's married to somebody in Coronation Street, and he was in Emmerdale, and he turned up to uh, a bar that I was looking after uh, for some friends of mine in Twickenham years ago, and he came in with a friend, and he was well the worse for wear. So anyway, they they let him in, 
And he sat downstairs, slumped in the corner, and his, his mates came up to the bar and said, uh, can we have some free drinks, because that's so-and-so, so-and-so. And I said, because I, I thought, well, you know, I'm marginally more famous than he is. But anyway, I, so I said, well, not really, no. And they said, well, I said, I said why, why would that warrant free drinks? And they said, because people will see him in here, and it'll be extra business. I thought he'd have to come in here to see that he was in here in the first place. So uh, the answer was no, and he was also well the worse for wear, so we didn't bother. We didn't bother with him. I will, I'll, I'll remember who he is by the end of the programme. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. Uh, lots of extra security guards on duty for Black Friday. I don't know why. We, we think it's called Black Friday because you go... Was it sort of the last day that you're in the black or you go out of the red into the black or something? Whatever it is, it's, it's, it's a boost for sales. That's what they think. But it causes absolute mayhem in this country. Last year we had fighting, people trying to wrestle each other to the ground to get a television. And I'm thinking... It's only a television. You just go out and buy it. Or if anything, that order it online. If it comes through Amazon or other companies are available, you know, then you just sort of do it. I bought a pair of slippers last night on Amazon. I had this craving. I put the heating on and within about 10 minutes, it was about roasty toasty, which was quite nice. And, uh, and I thought, <clears throat> I'm going to buy a pair of fur lined slippers. There is a bewildering array on the internet of sort of um, proper fur, like, like sheepskin slippers. They look quite nice, actually. So I've ordered a pair. <laughs> I don't know why. I haven't had a pair of slippers for ages and ages. I just fancied a pair of slippers. Just keep your feet toasty. I see these things where you sort of put your feet in. It's like a mini duvet. But I thought I couldn't stand up. I'd probably fall over again. So I bought this other pair. And they're quite nice. They're sort of, so whatever it is on the outside, like sort of moccasin type thing, but with fur in the inside. Keep your feet warm because I've got to look after my feet. Because they get uh, they get very very cold. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. We take all your uh, texts and emails on the program this morning, and we have uh, some stories from the papers to make you go. Ooh, I quite like the one about Koo Stark signing for Celebrity Big Brother. Koo um, Stark, you have to be a certain age. Remember who she is or was. And uh, she went out with Prince Andrew, but I mean, that's not really a recommendation. Everybody went out with Prince Andrew, including Vicky Hodge. So there was all sorts of people and uh, he was hardly backwards in coming forward. He, he took her back to meet the family, apparently. But uh, there was never any chance they were going to get married. I didn't think so. And it all just fizzled out. But they went out for quite a while. And um, I don't know, there was something about her I didn't like. I can't, as I say, you don't know when you look at somebody or their picture or you watch them being interviewed why you don't like them. You just don't like somebody. It's as simple as that. You know, it's not a case of their marmite. You either like them or you don't like them. In her case, I didn't like her. She always seemed to be a bit stuck up to me. You know, a little bit sort of, you know, I'd been out with Prince Andrew like it was some sort of badge of honour. Whereas I didn't see it like that at all. Anyway, she was always very discreet. She didn't do anything at all. And then blow me down. She turned up in the papers a short while ago about, um... Might be a couple of years ago, where apparently she was down on her luck and didn't have any money. and Because uh, I was never sure what her job was. But I know that the, she was quite litigious with the papers. Uh, if they sort of said anything, they hadn't got right. So I'm, I'm, quite, uh, I'm quite mindful of the fact that, you know, you know, she's going into Celebrity Big Brother. I'm assuming she's going in because she wants the money. Can't be for any other reason. They've, they've said, as they usually do, oh, she'll be spilling the beans. No, she won't. No, she won't. She's never done it up until now. Why would she Why would she do it now? Absolutely not. If she'd wanted to do it, she could have written a book about it. But uh, so, so that's a load of old baloney. She won't be going in there to spill the beans. And as I say, 99% of you listening at the moment won't have the faintest idea who she is. It's like Gemma Collins will go in there, but she's got nothing to talk about anyway. She'll probably talk about, you know, lack of food. And uh, Lady Colin Campbell in the jungle, as I said yesterday, apparently they're a little bit worried she might quit. Why would you worry about it? 
Who cares? Old woman. Oh, I tell you that. No, I might have got this wrong. I did ask the producer this morning. I put a theory to him, and he agreed with me because I was watching the television yesterday. Imagine a scenario, OK? You've got two, two attractive girls on the television and an old man of, say, 66. And, uh, and he flirts with them and then says, uh, we could always go and have a threesome. Now, the first thing you'd be thinking of is, what a dirty old man. What a dirty old man, especially if it was on the television. And yet there they were, cackling away on Loose Women yesterday, that Lady Colin Campbell had said to Anton Deck, how about a threesome? And they thought this was hilarious. I thought it was sexist. They didn't see it as They thought it was hilarious. And so they managed to drag in poor old Colleen, who flirts with just about anybody. But, you know, the fat bird in the corner, who's not very funny, she does flirt with people. You've seen the family. Don't laugh. And uh, so she has to flirt. She obviously thinks that people are going to find her attractive. Nope. And we don't think she can sing either. But uh, I thought they were wrong on that. I thought they were completely wrong. I was very surprised that they didn't think it was totally sexist. But there again, they didn't seem to make any uh, any note of the fact that Yorgi Porter's been under the shower yet again, and Fern McCann's done it. It's all a bit late, though. It's all a little bit late. It's all been done before. We've seen it a million times. Fern McCann uh, is the foul-mouthed one. I've never heard such language from the, uh, from the Essex programme. And the internet trolls have picked on her because of her bikini body and that kind of thing. And, and her mother's leapt to her defence, saying, who are these people? They're vile and horrid. And I thought, yeah, but, you know, if you set yourself up as some sort of celebrity, which, of course, she's not, then you kind of expect it. That's what you should expect. That's, it comes with the territory. It's only if you let it bother you and you draw attention to it that people, people go for it big time. People, you know, they, they really go for it big time. So, in other words, mother, keep your big fat nose out of it. Mind you, talking big fat noses. I thought Fern, Fern McCann's nose could have won her a couple of uh, things the other day. She was, she was going for one of the, uh, you know, winning points so they can eat or something like that. But because she's so dull and boring, I couldn't care less about her bikini body. It's just whether somebody's got a personality. And, of course, she hasn't got a personality. And so she joins Chris Eubank, who's off with the Pixies in the programme, and Lady Colin Campbell, who was off with the Fairies some years ago. I mean that in the nicest possible way. Other fairies are available. I'm Steve Allen. More to come shortly as I look back at some of the highlights from my early breakfast show here on LBC. I'm Steve Allen, and this is your chance to listen again, or even for the first time, to some of the highlights of my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. I feel actually, I was feeling very sort of chipper this morning. I sort of came in, I sort of wrapped up, sat in the back of the car, sort of got in here in, in record time, had a nice shower this morning, and uh, after having had the heating on all night, I'm going to make, I'm not going to do that again, I'm not going to sleep all night with the heating on, I've decided it's definitely the bad thing, definitely. And uh, Trisha from Hatfield will see me on New Year's Day at the Magic Circle, actually quite a number of people, are, well I know a number of people are coming to the Magic Circle because it's, uh, it's, uh, it's sold out which is good, and it's, it's a good line-up. You're going you're gonna to see some... some re- not that you ever see bad magic. You're going to see some really good magic, some good stuff around at the moment. Yesterday we did Eddie Izzard, and that'll be going out this week for In Conversation with David Tennant. Um, <laughs> Mark says, it's called Black Friday because whilst trying to save 50 quid on a television, there's a very good chance you end up with a black eye. I can't understand why, why people fight over... Over televisions. I could understand. I used to work in a, in a shop years and years ago, and we used to have a sale. And it was, they always have things in the window. So you'd have a £300 three-piece suite, which was a lot in those days, reduced to a pound. Uh, they'd have suits down to 
50 pence. They'd have about six different items which were reduced. You know, a carpet from, you know, £500 down to a tenner. Something like that. And so people would start queuing days in advance. Days to make sure they got them. And what they would do in the morning to make sure that you got that particular thing that you were queuing for, they gave you a ticket. So, you know, if, if you were the first in the queue and you wanted the carpet, then they gave you a ticket to say that the carpet was, was for you. Mind you, the, uh, the, the man who ran the carpet department, whose name was Tony, um, on sale time, we'd have all these rolls of carpet all the way around the department uh, with, you know, 12 by 9, 40 quid, 12 by 10, 15 pounds, whatever it was. And on the, uh, on the morning of sale, even before the doors had opened, he'd gone round and had stuck sold on half of this stuff. He'd sold it to his sort of private customers. Bit of a swizz for the people queuing. I always remember thinking at the time, at the time it never actually bothered me, it's only recently... I've thought about it, thinking, just suppose you sort of come in the day before and you looked at the sales stuff, you think, oh, I'll come in. And then you get into the shop and you discover it's been sold. You'd feel very miffed, wouldn't you? Definitely very miffed. Uh, over, in, uh, over in Edmonton in Canada, they've got snow. What's not to love, says Jean. I know, it's a lovely picture. It's ever so pretty. I do like it. I, I notice the fact that it's totally deserted. But uh, when you get snow over there, you get snow, don't you? Bitterly cold, I'm told. Bitterly cold, but very pretty. You're right. There's something. It's it just makes it more festive, festive, and you know, and snow is festive. That's why all the uh, all the Christmas cards, or most of them, have got pictures of snow on. That's our romantic image, isn't it? And I only seem to remember it's snowing on Christmas Day on about three different occasions. Uh, Pat says trawling my memory. I think Ku Stark was a photographer. Do you know? I think you're right. Actually, I think you're right. Dorma Dom says Russia are having turkey this Christmas. It's quite a good one, isn't it? But uh, I'm sure they will be. Oh, I'm sure that the, the retribution will follow fairly smartish. Nobody's going to be mes- messing with, uh, with Putin on this one. Uh, CJ says I'm eating porridge and bananas all week, so this morning for a change I'm doing eggs boiled for four minutes and soldiers with salt and pepper. Oh, do you know, I haven't done salt and pepper for years. I haven't done eggy soldiers either. I used to like eggy soldiers. They were quite nice. I keep Every time I turn on the television, it's either an advert for a, a steam cleaner, which I might go out and get today, because we got paid today. Yeah. Well, we got paid last night. And, um, and, and then I thought, do I want to buy one of these juice machines where you sort of put all the things in and it's very healthy? And I thought, no, can't be bothered, really. If I want any juice, I'll just go out and buy it. I don't drink that much juice anyway. I don't think it's particularly good for us. Uh, but they, they sort of try and sell it. And these adverts on the television gone for ages. You notice, you'll sit there, 20 minutes later, you'll go out, you go to the toilet, come back, do a bit of washing up. Still the same adverts going on where you've got people sitting in a studio, all the fake guests going, this is delicious. This is... And you think, you're just, you know, you're paid to sit there and do that. They're always looking for people, aren't they? To actually uh, be sort of the guinea pigs on these uh, programmes. <laughs> uh, another one here. Uh, which says, uh, actually, it's amazing how many of you like porridge and bananas. Is this instant porridge, or are you making porridge? Are you actually buying the oats, as opposed to the one where you just sort of pour some hot water on and it fluffs up in, in a matter of seconds, which to me says chemical. Doesn't say anything else apart from that. <laughs> but but I, I do like porridge occasionally, but I can't be bothered to sit there and start stirring it in a saucepan. That's just too tedious. Far too tedious for words. Uh, 84850, uk. We will go through the papers in a minute because there's quite a, quite a lot of stories, including the one that the Daily Star are running about uh, furious jungle toff Lady Colin Campbell. She's not a toff. 
Just because she's called Lady doesn't mean she's any more classy than any of you. She married a bloke. She was with him for 14 months. Not particularly long, is it? Just over the year. And then hung on to the title. She's an oddball. She's a, she's a, a, a sort of an eccentric, as they call them. Uh, for that read, she's a nasty little piece of work. And uh, she's vowed to quit if she has to do more Bush Tucker trials. Well, quit then, dear. Like, we care. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You know, you can come out and do your strange voice thing on the television programmes. Uh, Cheryl turned up for an interview the other day. By God, she's looking thin. I mean, she's wearing... I don't know. I, I don't know what it is she's wearing or where you get clothes like this from. But uh, she turned up wearing this sort of white ensemble. And I think it was for an interview on a, on a, on a radio programme which is hemorrhaging audience even as we speak. and uh, But she just looks painfully thin. Poor so-and-so. Uh, Jamelia was on uh, Loose Women yesterday, uh, claiming the show was fixed uh, for Peter Andre. Of course, the BBC said, no, it wasn't. What they're doing, they're making a television programme. So, in other words, um, she lost her place. Um, the audience there seemed to think she should have stayed and Peter Andre should have, uh, should have gone. Um, so they, they do it, but he didn't get a standing ovation. They then film a standing ovation, and they slot it into the programme. She said, when I was on there, he didn't get a standing ovation. It was it was sort of done. They say, uh, may, maybe the jive just wasn't for him. Oh, I think he'll be out next, Peter Andre. He's becoming very irritating, isn't he? Very, very irritating. Uh, more in the papers on uh, Alton Towers. They now say it was human error, which we thought it was before. We just uh, Who you pin it down to, I've got no idea. Um, 16 people were hurt on the top of this... £18 million ride. £18 million for this ride. Crikey. I mean, you could win the lottery, couldn't you, and actually build your own, I suppose. But um, there were calls that the ride should be closed down. Um, I think what it was is that uh, a worker operated the manual override, sending the carriage full of fun seekers hurtling into the stationary test car at 50 miles an hour. And that's when the problem happens. Because you do see you can have two cars on the track at any one time. You've just got to watch them very, very carefully. Watch them very, very carefully. So, uh, so just be. Aware. I'm always very wary of things like that. I do love a good roller coaster. They've got a big place in America, Seven Flags Magic Mountain, and they've got, you know, all all sorts of rides on there. Mainly roller coasters. I'm looking at the um, the adverts in the papers now for uh, for sort of Black Friday spectacular. They're really jumping on the bandwagon, aren't they? They're really sort of. Good heavens above! Whose bottom is that? Oh, I think that's. Uh, oh, it's Kieran Dyer's bottom. You know, so he's in the shower. We're sort of trying to balance up, I suppose, in between dreadfully tedious Yorgi Porter and uh, Vicky Patterson. Very boy. The rest of them just went to sleep. Uh, Fer- Fern McCann did a trial. But as I say, she's so desperate for the money. She needs to she needs to do it. And that's why I'm assuming Koo Stark is going into I'm a Celebrity. So bizarrely, I would have thought Koo Stark had a bit more nous about her. I would have said, listen, I'm not a celebrity. But, of course, she obviously sees herself as a celebrity. I think you might find she's slightly odd if she does go in. Sometimes the names change. They seem to be releasing too many names. Gemma Collins, uh, Stephanie What's-Her-Face, who was kicked off Hollyoaks because she has a slight uh, slight problem with the old booze and was turning up and wasn't very sort of punctual. So, they, so apparently she's a celebrity now, as opposed to deep embarrassment for everybody. Uh, Gemma Collins, deep embarrassment, not really fit for purpose, couldn't send her out to the jungle, and yet she'll do it. She must really need the money. I don't know what she's hoping to prove to people. They keep trying to flog her as some sort of feisty fat bird with a foul mouth, but it doesn't work for me at all. She's neither feisty nor interesting. She's, she's just quite, quite dull. Um, I did watch an interview on telly. I did watch Jonathan Ross talking to One Direction. Michael McIntyre was on there. He's piled on the pounds. 
He's piled on a few pounds, but he says he is prone to doing that. And he was very funny with One Direction. One Direction, very groomed in uh, and very media savvy. We're not falling for this one. So, of course, as usual, Jonathan Ross doing the bit, you know, hands up who's actually smoked a joint, hands up who's joined the Mile High Club and all this kind of thing. And, and then you listen to Harry Styles' voice and you can't quite work out whether he's as common as muck or, he, or he's quite cultured. I've, I've very difficult to, uh, to work out that one. He doesn't sound like anybody else, but they all look very groomed and very nice and, uh, and they sang and it was all very pleasant. And uh, they didn't answer the questions. In fact, they were actually very good. Unlike normal little boy bands, they all jump in over each other and sort of talk to it because they all want to get there. But they all just sort of sat there being quite good. I thought it was very controlled, very clever of them. This is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights from my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. More to come after the news. I'm Steve Allen, and until 7 o'clock this morning, this is the best of my shows from the week. Don't forget, you can hear me every weekday morning from 4 until 6.30 here on LBC. And uh, Esther Ranson drones on about why she's still single. I mean, it's because she's 70-something, and, uh, you know, it's, it, there's nothing that looks sadder than people bleating on. I thought she'd found somebody a short while ago. I don't know why she thinks that, that you have to have somebody for you to sort of, you know, to make your life perfect. But she's in the, uh, the papers. Today. It's a fairly lengthy interview, fairly lengthy interview about sort of, you know, she misses Desmond and all the rest of it. But, you know, that's unfortunately that's life. That is the way that things go. Uh, the jungle has now turned into soft porn as Yorgi Porter sticks her legs behind her head. Not probably for the first time, I shouldn't wonder. And, uh, and they sort of film it. It's, it's going to be sort of put out as an extra bit. I've got no idea why. It really is. It's heading in all the wrong directions. Talking of heading the wrong directions, where have the hedgehogs gone? Hedgehogs have vanished. You know, at one time there were 30 million hedgehogs in this country. Million. Million. Where are they? Under the wheels of my car, ladies and gentlemen. That's what happens. And also a lot of them, and I, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to hedgehogs if they're listening at the moment. It applies to other animals too. I go for pigeons, squirrels, and I don't differentiate between any of them. You know, once you've heard that good squelch under the back wheels of the Bentley. I mean, it's a bit of an, a bit of an irritant as they see, keep going round. But hedgehogs get burnt. And the reason they get burnt is because they're hibernating. And so people set fire to leaves in their gardens. And, um, and hedgehogs sort of suffer. I think it was highlighted actually a long time ago by One Foot in the Grave, where they did, they did something very, very similar. Uh, which is a shame, so you need to look out for hedgehogs. People do feed them. Apparently cat food, cat food is what hedgehogs like. People think that they, they drink milk. They don't. As far as I know, they don't drink milk. Um, who's in the wrong? Britain is split <clears throat> on the taxi versus the cyclist. And this is the interesting one, because if you remember some time ago, I had a similar experience. Pulling in on the left to the car park, and a cyclist was undercutting me. I indicated, I did all the right things... And I've got indicators at the front light, like the taxi has. And uh, the funny thing, if you actually watch the video, the cyclist falls off, gets off, apologises to the driver, they shake hands and they all toodle off. But people seem to be divided on it. You know, obviously there's the, there's the cycling brigade out there. But the highway code quite clearly states you do not undercut. You do not undercut. And especially coming up to a junction, there might be... The fact that somebody's turning left. In my one, the cyclist did the whole two fingers and shouted an obscenity. So I, uh, I wound down the window and gave him a verbal mouthful, as indeed I can do. And uh, I said to him, basically, you shouldn't be undercutting. It's illegal. Learn the highway code. OK? And that's what it is. So I don't know why they're making such a big deal. This poor man must have been quite traumatised, I should imagine. He's been a taxi driver for like 45 years. Uh, the Daily Cupper keeps tooth decay at bay. 
It's nice, isn't it? Daily Cuppa, tooth decay at bay. And um, I, like, I like the story of Christina Rianoff. She says the reason her relationship, especially the one with Joe Calzaki, fiddled out, uh, fizzled out, sorry, not fiddled out, is because she puts work first. Well, there you go. There's a bit of salutary advice for anybody thinking of going out with her. Uh, don't bother, because she puts work first. What work that is, I've got no idea. I suppose she's doing another calendar with Ola Jordan or something. Um, the worst ever air rage thug has been jailed for a drunken rampage. I love the idea of a jailed asylum seeker. They've, they've, they've latched onto this one. He can't be sent home. He's a thief, habitual thief, uh, because um, he's gay. And so we can't send gay people back, because apparently where he comes from, Albania, it's, uh, it's illegal. Well, it must be a veritable fairyland out there, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have more gay Albanians arriving in the country than at any other time. Because once they've latched onto the idea that uh, if you say that, you can commit crime and then go, you can't say me about I'm gay. How do you ever prove that? How do you ever prove it when somebody says, we had it a while ago, didn't we? Somebody who was a failed asylum seeker and uh, we took them back to the airport, you know, with armed guards and all the rest of it. And then just as he was about to board the plane, he suddenly remembered he was gay. So, of course, they had to put him back in the thing, because you can't just throw people out on the grounds of sexuality. But how you prove it, I've got no idea. This man appeared to have children with women. So perhaps he wasn't gay at all. Perhaps he was, God forbid, you don't think he was lying, do you? Couldn't be right. Excuse me one minute. Oh, delicious. It's about my 1500th cup of coffee today. I love a cup of coffee in the morning. Something about it. And yesterday, uh, I put the, uh, the heating on again. <clears throat> it, it really makes me quite throaty if I put the heating on. On the other hand, it's, it's not really been that cold that I need to worry about it. But I did. And people that what, you've only just put the heating on? I said, yep, yesterday was the second day I put the heating on. And it was lovely. I mean, it warm, my place warms up really quick. Really, really quick. So you can sort of sit there in your pants, as Tommy Hilfiger says, showing your pants to people. And, um, and it all works really nicely. So I don't get cold. Climbed into bed, you know, now throwing the duvet off because it's so blooming hot. What I should do is turn off the central heating just before I climb into bed. But I never remember to do that at all. Uh, over in the jungle, they're rowing, they're arguing. They're doing just about everything except doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, which is be entertaining. They're, they're neither entertaining nor interesting. People asking questions as well, uh, that with all the, um, the, the people who are in there, Fern McCann, that's the one with the disgusting mouth. You've never heard such language emanating from a so-called woman, really. It's a trailer trash. Absolutely dreadful. But people are not questioning that. They're questioning uh, why, when you look at the pictures of them, they end up looking completely different to what they look like in the jungle. It's because they're photoshopped. That's what it is. You don't seriously think Fern McCann has got that flat stomach. No, in the jungle, she's, uh, she's uh, completely different. Completely different. It's, it's almost like two different people. It's because they're photoshopped. Everybody's photoshopped. We've had people writing into this programme over the years saying, oh, we always listen to you, Steve. We're doing the photoshopping in the morning newspapers. We're currently sort of doing pictures of celebrities. They take out little imperfections. They did a piece in one of the papers ages ago showing you just how much photoshopping and enhancing goes on. You can make somebody's eyes wider, make the nose a little bit slimmer. In the case of Fern McCann, you can't, unless you sew her mouth up, stop her being disgusting. And uh, so she doesn't look like she does in the jungle. Never has done. It's rough. It's rough, rough, rough. They're all rough in the jungle. That's the whole idea about it. Nobody cares, do they? We don't, uh, you know, you don't really believe... I mean, have you ever seen Amy Childs close up? Whoa! Whoa! God, blimey. You'd freak. Absolutely. God, she trowels it on set. She might as well stick her face in polyfiller and seriously then, tr- you know, do a Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire thing. Oh, with you in a minute, dear. You vision how you doubtfire. And then, pfft, 
shoves all this stuff on her face. That's what, that's what Amy Childs looks like. But then, of course, you can't really have a conversation with her either because she's not bright enough. Uh, Graham Norton searching for love on Tinder. I would have thought uh, Grinder would have been the one for him. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know what Tinder is. I'm assuming it's the, uh, the same thing. He says he's vowed to live alone for the rest of his life because he's become more fussy with age. But his dating profile, complete with name and age and a shot of his tanned, grey-bearded face, has been popping up repeatedly. You see, I mean, I would think that's a bit sad. Don't you think it's a bit sad that somebody like Graham Norton, you know, would have to resort to a, a dating website to actually find somebody? I can't believe it. You know, you must be working with loads and loads of people. But then I suppose you've got to be very wary if you're a celeb. Mind you, even more wary if you're dating on Tinder. Somebody will sell you down the line. They'll go, oh, I went out with Graham Norton. Oh, he was this, he was that. And before you know where you are, you know, you're splashed all over the papers for the wrong reason. Uh, he split up with, uh, I mean, he's had quite a number of uh, boyfriends. But then, you know, why not? He's, he's a gay man. He seems to be OK. And, uh, but he does say... I would prefer to live alone for the rest of my life rather than live with towels folded, folded incorrectly. Petty is important. <laughs> that, is, that is the thing, isn't it? It's sort of people who, all of a sudden, your, your balance is upset and people start doing things. You think, oh, God, they can't squeeze toothpaste properly or they can't fold towels. They just throw them over the towel rail. Why can't they make a bed? Why can't they be tight? Oh, look at the bottom sheet. They haven't even straightened it out. All of these things <coughs> you have to worry about, and that presumably that's why. I should imagine he's probably quite difficult. That's why when I was saying to Eddie Izzard the other day, are you in a single mode at the moment? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, you know what, exactly what I mean. And he said, well, I'm, I'm between people. I'm between people, which I, I quite like that, uh, that line, actually. Uh, Putin on the Blitz. Russia ramping up its defences around Turkey. As one of the papers said today, let's look forward to Christmas and World War Three. You know, and I don't think you should take it too lightly, to be honest with you. It's, it's, uh, it's looking increasingly likely, isn't it? Mind you, over here, Bodger's budget came out. Millions saved from misery of tax credit cuts after the mirror forces the Chancellor into a U-turn. But he will clobber council taxpayers <coughs> with a £320 hike and working families to lose... £3,060. Just what you don't want to hear, isn't it? Coming up to Christmas. You really don't. Um, other, Actually, every newspaper today is covering adverts for Christmas food and stuff that you want for Christmas. And the stuff you want for Christmas is... Because it's it Black Friday. So, they, so they're actually basically saying stock up Black Friday tomorrow so you can get um, bottles of wine, six for 25 quid, uh, a litre of Baileys for 10 quid... Blimey, a litre of bait. It's quite a lot, isn't it, really? Uh, they've got Prosecco. And uh, they've got all sorts of things, actually. Lots of sort of bargains. And then, for some reason, we've gone mad, haven't we, over recent years. Tins of Quality Street. But they're not tins, are they? They're like plastic buckets now. And so you get one of those for £4. It makes it look huge on the television. I bet when you actually do it, it doesn't look like this. Like buying your burgers, isn't it? I went. I felt such a fool yesterday. I felt such a fool. I went into uh, McDonald's and I, I stupidly, I just, just assumed they'd always be doing it because it was very popular. And so I said, can I have a, a bacon and sausage sandwich, please? So she said, sorry? I said, a bacon and sausage sandwich. So we don't do those anymore. I'm like, oh, right. Sausage and egg McMuffin then. It was only just, I just needed something to sort of boost up my little levels. But I thought, why would you stop doing something that was popular? Well, you know, what's the point of that? 
What is the point of that? That was possibly one of the dumbest decisions anybody's ever made. Something that obviously works really, really well, and everybody seemed to like it. And then they go, oh, we're not doing that anymore. Why? You just, are you determined to really annoy customers? So we can have the, uh, the bacon. Oh, you don't do that, do you? Right. What else do you not do? Would you give me a list of, of what you don't do anymore? Oh, blimey. I can't tell you the story about Harry Potter star Daniel Radcliffe. Because it's too rude. It's, it's way, way too rude for this, this programme. In fact, actually, um, I think it's, it's way too rude for anything. He's, he's done an interview in Playboy magazine. And I shall tell the producer, and I shall say to him, can I do that story? But I know for a fact he's going to say to me, no, you absolutely can't. I'm Steve Allen. More to come shortly as I look back at some of the highlights from my early breakfast show here on LBC. This is Steve Allen with a look back at some of the highlights from my weekday early breakfast show on LBC. Uh, somebody sent me a picture, it appeared on the uh, internet yesterday, of the, uh, the four people who kidnapped this dog, Chunky, fed him drugs, uh, they set him on fire, and then they broke his leg and his neck. He's still alive, and so are they. And I'm not going to name them on the programme because I haven't checked them out. So I need to make sure it is these these particular people. But I mean, to be honest with you, I don't uh, really give much of a hope for that. How can you do that? We did say yesterday, didn't we? I didn't actually understand how, how anybody, whatever their mental state was, and a few of them look as though they've maybe got a mental state, could actually do that to an animal. I, don't, I, I just really don't understand. You know, I really, really don't understand. I don't think I want to understand. These people are quite clearly very sick. Very, very sick. But uh, thank you to all the people who've sent it in to me. Uh, hedgehogs are the favourite food of badgers. Are they? I didn't think they were. I've never heard of that one before. I don't think that's very likely. But why would a badger want to eat a hedgehog? All they do is just sort of roll up into a ball. They've got spikes all over themselves. Wouldn't be very clever, would it? Um, on the subject of the uh, weather, Thomas says it's very cold here in Canada. So cold, the flashers just come up to you and describe themselves. It's an old gag, but it's worth repeating. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning at seven. The Chancellor set out his spending plans for the next four years. Do you support the government's U-turn? We get your reaction to the autumn statement. As a surviving pilot of a Russian jet shot down by Turkey on the Syrian border says no warning was given. Whose side should we be on? With a number of people dying last winter, hitting a 15-year high... Is it time to redirect the foreign aid budget? And they'll be speaking to both the Chancellor, George Osborne, and Labour Shadow Chancellor, John McDonnell, as the dust settles on the spending review and asks, where's the money coming from? That and more with Nick Ferrari, just after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. Looking at the papers, James Ashton, executive editor at the Evening Standard, will be in the studio. It's all after Lisa Aziz with the morning news. So here it is, Yorgi Porter, in an effort to prove that she really is the old scrubber that we thought she was. This programme, I mean, do their agents give them a brief? I only ask because this is turning into some sort of porn fest. And it's, it's really a bit tragic. On the one hand, you've got a barking mad 70-year-old woman who thinks that she's royalty and titled. And really, she's just another foul-mouthed little bully. On the other hand, you've got sort of three people well past their sell-by trying to sort of get as much coverage as possible underneath the shower, which is tedious in the extreme and blatantly sexist. And the next thing you've got Yorgi Porter sticking her legs behind her head. It's, uh, I mean, it's just cheap trash, isn't it, really? And that's what she is. Cheap trash. Even the papers have says pleasure is pain for the show bosses. I mean, perhaps they like that kind of thing. Lots of people running it are sort of going, oh, let's have more of that. <clears throat> I mean, that's, what that, that's the way they try and sell it, isn't it? They always sort of say, oh, yes, let's actually sort of, uh, you know, get out there and perhaps there'll be some relationships going on in the jungle. Why? 
Yorgi Porter is up on a, another TV show at the moment where she's... Uh, it's, some, it's something about where, where they go on dinner dates. You knew it was bad news when Anthea Turner appeared on it as well. That was pretty bad. And who was the other one that was on there? Anthea Turner, Yorgi Porter. And, there was, and I remember thinking, somebody, I thought, oh, God in heaven. It's just absolutely atrocious. There's nothing that you could sort of redeem it. I mean, you know it's bad news if, uh, if Anthea Turner turns up on a programme. I mean, she is Princess Tippy-Toes. She is just the most boring baggage that's ever been my misfortune to watch on television. <laughs> no point in holding back, is there, this morning? Uh, a yob branded Britain's worst ever air rage passenger has been jailed. Now, this is interesting. OK, he's a yob. He's quite clearly some old drunk. His name is Jasbir Singh Barrage. He bit a policeman. He hurled racist abuse on a flight from Birmingham to Birmingham from Dubai. He called cops white and uh, threatened a flight attendant. He then launched a racist attack on fellow travellers, calling them Muslims, who should go back where they came from. Later, he bizarrely smeared wine on his private parts and smashed up an in-flight entertainment system. Um, Luckily, he's been sent to prison for 11 months. The funny thing at the end of all this is, and it's not really funny, he's jobless. Where's your money coming from, pal? Where's your money coming from? Where are you getting your money from? That's a nice new shirt you're wearing. A flight attendant said uh, he was the worst passenger he'd ever encountered. Well, perhaps they'll deal with him in prison, I should imagine. Eleven months, not long enough. Should have been five years. I'd, I'd be dealing with things like that quite quickly. Five years. Goodbye. Thank you. Take him away. You know, and I'd, I'd be putting him in places where nobody could have any access to him at all. But uh, what a disgusting piece of work. So he's, he's jobless, and yet he manages to fly from, from Dubai to Birmingham. I want a job like that, don't you, ladies and gentlemen? I bet you do. I bet you want a really good job, don't you, where you don't actually have to work... And, uh, and instead, you just sort of take flights and then you, you obviously get drunk. An embarrassment to everybody, isn't he, really? Do these people actually vote? Tell me they don't. Tell me they don't. Uh, who's this? Oh, Prince Harry out again on another freebie. It's, uh, well, I say it's a freebie. He's just sort of, he's, he's taken to the Shaking Hands and Eating Brigade now. He doesn't actually do any work as such. But uh, he's paid tribute to Diana and Nanny Olga. Uh, also, I see that, um, that Paul... Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I was looking at my thing. It's just uh, from my friend Paddy. He said the spike has just gone through the roof. <laughs> he does write some very funny things, actually. Very, very funny things. Very funny things, which I like. I like lots of things that he writes. And uh, he's obviously up early hours of the morning, poor soul, which means that he's probably doing that for a couple of days or even more. Who knows? He says, on the way to work in the car, 29 sleeps until Christmas. Is it only Christmas? Is it only Christmas in 29 sleeps? What else can happen? What else can happen, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, Christine says, what would you recommend as an alternative to the heavy Christmas pudding nobody eats? You see, I like, I think, a sherry trifle. You know, it's because it's, it's got the, the combination of fruit. You know, as opposed to tinned fruit, you could actually put proper fruit in, couldn't you? You could actually go and, and buy, you know, things like pomegranates and you could put seeds in there and you could put um, grapes in, a bit of mango, something like that. That's what, I, that's what I would go for. And then some custard over the top, a little bit of jelly, bind it all together, some custard, then some cream and some more custard. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think that's a good idea, actually. I think it's a very good idea. But she says, Molten Brown have a lot of lovely goods on sale prices. Did you get any? I dreamt about it last night. Isn't that funny? I dreamt about Molten Brown going in there and saying to the girl behind the counter, I've got six bathrooms. I've, I need a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I bet Paul going home for Christmas. I bet he's going home for Christmas. I've just got a feeling. It's the kind of thing he will be doing. Um, so, nice to have you with us as well, matey, this morning. 
Oh, early start. 4.30 in the morning. 4.30. Normal for us, but uh, but uh, when you do it on a casual basis, it's not much fun, I know. Uh, four horsemen gazing at the apocalyptic red sky at dawn can only mean one thing. The end of the weather, as we know it. A bitter Arctic blast is sweeping across Britain. In other words, it's thermal underwear and big heavy coats and scarves and hats and everything. No matter how, you will see some ridiculous hats. I promise you. You see, you look at them, you go, where do you... And they're always Norwegian. Have you noticed? The Norwegians seem to wear these odd hats, which sort of look like a normal hat, but with bits sticking out of it. I don't quite understand what that's about. Perhaps it's something to do with culture. I don't know. I'm, I was going to say, is it something to do with culture? They have to have odd hats. I've seen loads of people wearing them. The more bizarre they are, the more people want to wear them. Anyway, uh, what else? What else is happening? What else is happening in the world? Uh, apart from Christina Rianoff um, and uh, breaking up with Joe Kalzaki. Every time I look at Christina Rianoff, I keep thinking she's, uh, I don't know how old, she, oh, she's 38. She's an old 38, but I tend to find Russians age badly. Russians age quite badly. And um, when you look at her, you think she's got badly bleached hair. It's, it's, it's not good. It's, uh, she's almost getting past her sell-by. She's almost in the same camp as Nancy Delolio. Roughly the same sort of camp, which is they're both way past their sell-by. They should have been put out to pasture a long while ago because nobody's interested in somebody who dances on a programme who thinks that they're very sexy, whereas, in fact, you know she's airbrushed to heck. But then, you know, going on about the reason my relationships don't last is because I commit myself to my, to my job. Who cares? Who cares? Nobody's interested. Who are you telling? Are you telling yourself this? Because I'm not remotely bothered. And I shouldn't imagine anybody listening at the moment is remotely bothered either. Oh, we found some more um, some more money launderers. This one here is a gang. A gang. I love the idea of a gang. Uh, who stashed cash in a bag marked dirty as they laundered £35 million of drugs money. Believe not, the mastermind Harpal Singh Gill, 67 set up 20 bogus clothing companies as a disguise for the operation. He comes from Smethwick in the West Midlands. He used couriers to collect cash from national crime gangs. They then funnelled more than £35 million abroad. But uh, they, they found it. The final four members of the network were sentenced at Birmingham Crown Court and uh, Gill and his son Manjit, two thickos, were caged for 11 years and five years respectively. Oh, with a bit of luck, actually, I should imagine Harpel Singh Gill at 67 will be dead inside prison. Not going to live much longer in there, is he? So uh, not much use having the money if you can't actually get it. But at least we caught you. So there you go. Another rogue in prison, ladies and gentlemen, for the festive season. No turkey for you, matey, because you are the turkey. I'm Steve Allen, and you've been listening to the best of my shows from the past week. Don't forget, you can listen to me every weekday morning from 4 till 6.30 here on LBC. And you can listen to my free podcast too. I'll be back tomorrow morning with In Conversation from 5 and I'm live from 6 till 8. Coming up, it's Saturday Breakfast with Andrew Pearce. This is LBC.